Welcome to the Empowered Indie Artist Podcast, where independent artists just like you come to learn everything they need to know about building a sustainable music business. I'm Becky. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I wanted to address the most common questions that I see people ask about getting into sync licensing. In the description below, I do have a freebie for you. It's the artist branding workbook that every artist, every producer, every songwriter really needs to go through the process of figuring out who you are so that you can stand out in this very noisy space of being an independent creator. All right, let's get to it. So I came up with probably nine questions that are commonly asked about getting started in sync licensing. If you're not sure what sync licensing is, it is sync is short for synchronization and it's just referring to the process of syncing music with something visual. It can be a lucrative career path. It's something that artists can do in parallel with their artist career. Probably some of the greatest examples of what sync can do for an artist's career just recently happened in 2023, or maybe it was 2022. If you did not hear about Kate Bush's song, Running Up That Hill, becoming a huge hit again, uh, as it appeared in Stranger Things in 2022, um, that is the case of a song that was available for licensing and it got into this really very popular show, and then the song became more popular than it did back in the 80s because I was alive in the 80s, and I even knew that song, but only because of my friends who were kind of listening to really cult underground type of music. It was not something I heard on the radio. So I really loved watching the success of Kate Bush with that song because I really loved her back then. I was so mesmerized by her writing and her voice. And so for her to get another shining moment all these years later was so really cool to watch. So anyway, let's get to it. (laughs) One question that is asked a lot is, do the songs need to be professionally produced in order to be licensed? And the answer is... Yes. There are rare occasions where, um, and I'll give you my own example, this was the very first song that I ever licensed for a film. My co-writer and I wrote the song for the film. We had this unique opportunity where we knew the producers of the film, we knew the music supervisor, and we wrote this song specifically for this film. And When we wrote it, we demoed it, and they were like, yes, we love the song, it's perfect, but we need, you know, we want some changes to the production, we want a singer that sounds like such and such. You know, they had some very specific changes that they wanted to make before they would place it in the film. So sometimes that scenario happens, but in today's world, and most likely if you're just getting started, the song needs to be commercial level, it needs to be ready to go. If you read a brief, which is a description of someone saying, I need this type of a song, it needs to be in this genre and, you know, this type of tempo or mood, and you pitch it and you say, oh, but this is just a demo, they will not even respond to you most likely. They are so busy, they don't have time to reply to messages to say, we can't use a demo. (laughs) So don't submit demos. 
The second question I see a lot is, do the songs need to be released or can they have already been released? And the answer to this one is it really does depend. Sometimes a music supervisor for a film, their job is to find the music for particular moments in the film or the show. Oftentimes they will have heard a song somewhere and they want to go find the artist or find the owner or the publisher to negotiate the licensing deal. So having the song already released can be great. If it's the scenario like mine that I mentioned, they might not want you to release it. It might be the type of deal where it's exclusively for their soundtrack. If that's the case, then the dollar signs will be much bigger because you obviously are being restricted in what you can do with the song and it must be valuable to them. So you have a little more bargaining power. Um, but generally speaking, the song can be released already. And um, if, again, if you're working in conjunction with music production library, where they send out a brief, most likely, and you're writing a song specifically for this brief, in that, that scenario, you most likely will not be allowed to release that song ever. You'll be giving the exclusive rights to that production company. Number three, do I register the song with my pro, which is your performance rights organization? As a songwriter, hopefully you know this, you want to register your songs with your pro so that when you release the song, it is um, generating all of the proper royalties, all of the songwriting and the publishing royalties. But the answer to this one is also, it depends because there are some production music companies or music libraries where they will want to do their own pro registration. So if it's a song that's already released, it should already be registered. But if it's the scenario where you're writing specifically to a brief and submitting to a production company or a music library specifically for an exclusive deal, they may want you to have it registered with a pro some libraries want it registered with the pro before you even submit it, where others will say, no, we're going to do that. So you might want to find out depending on who you're submitting the song to. Number four, how long should my song be? Well, this is another it depends answer. The What's really important with songs for sync is the arc of a song and having edit points. Now that sounds kind of strange, but if your song has a fade out at the end, they will not be interested in it. They want um, button endings most of the time. In the context of a movie or a TV show, likely they're only going to be using max a minute and a half of it, like a maybe the little intro, maybe part of a verse, then part of a chorus. If you're lucky enough to get a sync placement that plays that much of your song, again, it's like they will be editing it to the what exactly what they want. So you really don't need to worry about the length. You just need to be worrying about the structure of your song as a whole and that it has a really good arc. It has a nice clean button ending. Button ending doesn't mean like it, everything stops at once. It just means we can hear the end. It doesn't fade out. Um, there should be some really good contrast sections where we can really hear the difference between the verse and the chorus where there might even be mood changes. 
I always say what's really important is you write a really great song that's compelling and tells a story and carries an emotion, especially if you're writing a song as an artist. If the song also works well for sync, then that's great. And they'll make it work if they want that song in their film or their TV show. Um, Just focus on writing really great songs. If you are not an artist and you're just simply a producer or songwriter and you are writing only for sync, then these are the types of things that you really should be thinking about. It might feel a little formulaic, but this is the name of the game. This is what they need in order to sync songs with their um, with their productions. So you just have to think a little bit more intentional about some of those things. Number five, should I use CD Baby Pro for sync licensing? Um, the really fast answer is no. <laughs> now, nobody hate on me from CD Baby, but here's the deal. CD Baby... Pro will tie up the publishing side of your song, the admin publishing side, and they are getting hundreds of thousands of songs in their library. And while, yes, they do have testimonials of songs that have been placed in movies and TV shows, it's like you've gone to the auto mall where there's just hundreds of thousands of cars and you know, one person is there to buy one car and yours is just one among hundreds of thousands. I don't think that's a really great place for artists and songwriters to house their songs, for one. Um, CD Baby is not actively out there trying to pitch your songs for sync. Now, if you sign a song to a music publisher or a sync library, that is their only purpose. And guess what? They don't even get paid unless they get that song placed. So you see what I'm saying? They have a motivation for getting out there and working your song. And their library is going to be significantly smaller than CD Baby's library of songs. So that's one reason. The other reason is that let's say that you signed up for CD Baby Pro, which you're hoping you're going to get a sync placement, but probably you won't. And then you pitch this same song to another music library and they say, yes, we love this song. We want to add it to our library. And they find out that it's got CD Baby Pro attached to it. Um, they'll say, oh, never mind. The reason is, is that CD Baby will tie up that publishing portion and it's really hard to untangle. I'm guessing because there's so many people and they don't have the staff to just have to undo it all the time. But I've, I literally had this happen to me. Actually, it wasn't because of CD Baby Pro. It was something else where, um, I pitched a song. I had the YouTube content ID selected as a feature. And as soon as they found that out, they were like, oh no, never mind. We don't want that song. Um, anything that will cause them grief or problems later in securing rights, in securing licenses, in releasing music videos, or 
film on YouTube, they are not going to want to deal with it. It's just too, it's a bottleneck in their process. And so they'll just say, oh, never mind. So um, I didn't mention this in number five, but I'm going to mention it now. Do not sign up for CD Baby Pro and do not sign up for YouTube Content ID if you have any intentions of pitching it for music libraries or any direct-to-music supervisors for sync placements. Number six, how do I get those first sync placements? Well, the easiest is to contact a music library. There are a lot of music libraries out there now, and many of them have a space right on their website that says, submit your music now. Some music libraries are exclusive and some are non-exclusive. Exclusive means that if you get your song put in their library, you can't have it with any other libraries. Unexclusive, non-exclusive is the opposite, where you can have it in their library, but you can continue to pitch it to other non-exclusive libraries. But you can't have it in a non-exclusive and an exclusive for obvious reasons. So just be really, really careful of that. There'll be pretty annoyed if they go through the process of accepting your song, listening to it, sending out your agreement, only to find that it's already in another library. So um, just be really careful of that. And non-exclusive libraries are pretty rare. There's only um, a couple that I know of. It's just become too difficult for the music supervisors to navigate, oh, where did I get this song from? Did I get it from this library or this library? So they're starting to say, I only want to work with the music libraries that have exclusive contracts with the copyright owners. I think that makes sense, but I've got a list of some music libraries that you can pitch to right now in the description below. One that I really love. They've had, I've gotten lots of placements with them called Crucial. They are a non-exclusive and yet they're considered really boutique. They're very, very picky. They have declined um, probably 80% of the music I've submitted. <laughs> so it's, um, I think their bar is really high, but they do offer a non-exclusive deal with you, but they will also say, we can't take it if you've got CD Baby Pro. They're very particular about uh, making sure that you've got all the rights cleared and all of your co-writer agreements are in place. So um, they're a great library to work with and they do non-exclusive, but right now I think they're the only ones that I know of. But there's a lot of other libraries that are exclusive. Check out that list below. Number two would be um, like my scenario from when I first got started working with some indie filmmakers, if you know people locally in town that are producers or have a film operation, find out what it would take to write some music for their next film and just start getting your feet wet. And of course, their budget's going to be a lot smaller than Hollywood. But, you know, I've done film placements for, I think I... I've done them for $50, where the upfront fee was only $50. I think I've even done it for $0 <laughs> before, where they wanted, I think I have, where they wanted a song in the, oh yeah, this one in particular, they wanted the song for the trailer, and they also wanted it in the film. And honestly, it was about 
It was about 15 years ago I got this placement, and I still am getting residual royalties on that baby. So, I mean, not, you know, gazillions of dollars or anything, but it's still pretty cool that it's out there making money um, because now with streaming platforms, like when the movie was first made, I think Netflix was pretty new. And now it's being played on all of the streaming platforms and even on YouTube. And so I'm still getting streaming royalties for that um, film placement. The third thing is going to music supervisors direct. Now, this is a very tricky area to navigate because, as you can imagine, music supervisors are the ones making those direct decisions about the music to be in the film or the TV show. And so you can really imagine they are bombarded with submissions, and oftentimes they have to put the walls up so high, otherwise you know, they would never have time to do their job. So they like to use libraries for this very purpose. But if you do get a relationship with a music supervisor directly by attending a conference or a friend of a friend introduces you or anything like that, that is a very special relationship. You want to respect it. You want to nurture it and um, be very, you know, respectful of their time and their expertise. You can ask them about pitching directly to them for the project they're working on if you feel you have a song that would fit their project. But I would definitely avoid um, cold emailing music supervisors and saying, hey, what kind of music do you want? Probably years ago, I read somewhere where that was a good approach and did it, and I never heard a word back from not one. You know, they didn't even know. I may have had some of the great songs that could have been in their films. They didn't know. But that kind of question is so open-ended that I'm sure it was just like, I I can't worry about this. (laughs) I can't answer this person. What kind of music are you looking for right now? You know, so they're um, submitting briefs to all of the music libraries. And once they submit that brief, then they're going to start getting all this music back. And that's what they're focused on. So really, that should be kind of the only if you make a connection with a music supervisor directly. Um, There are some music supervisors that are online and they're always saying, hey, we're looking for this kind of music on Instagram or on Facebook. And if that's the case, then great. You can now pitch directly to that person if you're following them, but they will always have very specific submission instructions. So just make sure you're really being cautious with how you submit. Number seven, what about cover songs? Cover songs have become super, super popular in film and in trailers. And as a matter of fact, there are some music production companies that will contract or hire um, artists, producers to make albums worth of trailerized covers. I happen to know a few people who have done this because they're so cool and they're um, really popular right now. Ten years ago, no one wanted to touch covers, but now it's become kind of this really cool thing. So all that to say that right now, 2023, go for it. But it should be really cool, unique, very well-known covers, not some like B-side, you know, cult band that you liked in the 70s that no one has, you know, no one's heard that song. Probably it's not going to work because it needs to be recognizable. And then the listener needs to know this is like a really big twist on this really well-known song. I'll give you an example that movie, The the interview, 
that what it's called? Yeah. Um, <laughs> had Katy Perry's song Firework. And I think there were like three different versions. I don't remember, but I just remember there was, you know, the Katy Perry version of Firework was in the film. But then during like the climax where there's like explosions going off, there was this like very chill, mellow version, cover version of some other artist doing Firework all quiet and mellow and the contrast between the explosions on the screen and then this soft gentle firework song was brilliant I just it's one of my favorite uses of a cover in a movie ever so anyway yes do cover songs but don't just do rehashed whatever and don't do boring songs do songs that are really well known and do them in a unique and fresh way Number eight, how long will it take to hear back after I've submitted to a music library or music supervisor? Well, this is definitely, it depends, but you should really plan on at least a few months. Um, I mentioned Crucial Music being one of the music libraries I submit to regularly. And even when they accept the song, it takes about three months before I hear back from them. Um, what you don't want to do is pester them with follow-up emails one right after the other. You know, even a week is not enough time for a lot of these companies and a lot of these individuals that are so busy listening to music. So just back off. I would keep a tickler file, and if it's maybe three months after you've submitted, you could submit a follow-up. And of course, be really respectful, not like, hey, what, you know, I haven't heard back from you. What's going on? But just very respectful follow-up. I submitted on such and such day, just wanted to follow up and see if that has been received. If you start pestering them with multiple emails about, hey, how come, what's going on, what's going on, you will get blocked. They, they probably won't even reply. They'll just block you. So don't do it. <laughs> And number nine, how long before I earn money? <laughs> Sync is not someplace where you say, okay, I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket and pay my bills, you know, middle class living lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. You really have to get multiple placements happening and build your catalog that way before you start making even, you know, $1,000 a year. <laughs> The more you have, then, of course, it starts to build. And the more notoriety or the more popular a song might be, the larger that sync fee can be. Um, the sync license fee up front can be anywhere from zero, like I mentioned. I'm, I did that one for zero. I've done one for 50. But I think the first one I got was like a $3,000. or Yeah, it was $3,000 for the upfront sync fee. But then the very first payment from my pro from BMI was like, because it was on, it was released on an ABC Family channel, regular TV. This was, you know, Netflix was not a streaming platform yet. They were just doing the DVDs by mail. <laughs> and if you don't remember that time, then you are young. But anyway, the first payment we got from the songwriting from the pro was, I really can't remember. I just remember it was a big chunk. It was like 600. I mean, that's not very much, but you know, for being a first big movie placement, it was really, really cool. So it can range anywhere from zero. And then if you're like, 
a well-known artist like a Katy Perry, of course, you could get something like $100,000 for one license for a film such as The Interview, where it's like a major Hollywood release. So the to put all of your eggs in that basket and expect to earn like a livable wage, it is not going to happen until you have been in it for a while and you have built up a catalog full of probably hundreds of placements. So you really do have to do it in parallel with other things. Most people I know, they are also teachers or they're producers for hire or they are artists releasing their own music and then they get sync placements along the way. So I hope that answered all your questions. I know there's so many questions about the sync world, but those are the most common that I've seen. Again, I hope it was helpful, and please grab your artist branding workbook. Link is in the description below. It's totally free. Let me know if you have any more questions that I didn't address. And if you're curious about the Empowered Indie Artists program, membership, course, what have you, check us out at Empowered Indie Artists, A-R-T-I-S-T-S, artists with an S, uh, dot com, and check out the options that we have for independent artists just like you. See you next time.